Uh, today's scripture reading is from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3 through 11. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that you, as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. This is the reading of God's word. That's good to see everybody here. Uh, it's like um, it's one of those days where uh, people are traveling, the weather is nicer, and so um, but nevertheless, it's always great to worship together. Um, <clears throat> just to reiterate what Jason was uh, just sharing, uh, April 30th is a congregational meeting. We do this maybe once or twice a year, but I uh, just want to reemphasize that this one is going to be important. Uh, we need to make a few announcements and um, kind of also give us some direction in terms of how we want to move forward as a church. And so uh, if you are interested and you're not a member, you know, please feel free to stick around. Uh, but if you are a member, um, you should try and, and, and attend as much as you can, okay? Um, just to kind of let you know that. Um, so one of the things I, I, I realized um, during my sabbatical or three months is that um, it was, it was very hard to, to uh, disconnect. Um, one of the things that we are supposed to do uh, when we go on these things, and you know, all the pastors are telling me I, I do it wrong, but is that we, we need to mentally, emotionally, physically disconnect from the ministries that we do in, in the church just to recuperate. Uh, I find that very hard to do, not only because I, I really do like my church and I care for people, but also people are always in need. Um, there's never an, a moment where there's not somebody in the congregation that needs help. Uh, and one of the values or one of the, I guess, resources that people look for is this idea of needing comfort. Oftentimes when I think, when people come to me, it's, it's usually solution-based, and, and that's probably because that's how I am. If you come to me with a problem, my, my initial instinct is try to fix it. Uh, make it better, um, try to be solution-oriented, and, and many of you might be the same. Uh, but sometimes there are points where there is no solution, or you just don't know what to do to, to make, it thing, make things better. And it's in those moments, especially in those moments, where we need to understand that what people need sometimes is not solution, but they need comfort. 
or whatever they're going through, they need comfort. They need to be comforted. They need to receive comfort. And sometimes that is the best we can do. I'm getting better at that. Uh, as I get older, I find myself becoming more empathetic. Uh, before, everything was more logical, and so I just, uh, went, whatever they say, I process it in a linear fashion, A plus B equals C, so just do B, and you'll get to C. Uh, but, but now I realize that sometimes they don't always get to C, because what they need is comfort. If you notice in the passage that Toby just read, just kidding, Steve, uh, the one word that's repeated again and again in, these, in this chapter, in this, in this section, the one word you heard over and over again is the word comfort. What is comfort? Comfort here, when Paul uses it, when we use it, it doesn't mean being comfortable. Okay? That's another issue. If you look up the word comfort in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, it says like this, to comfort means to give strength and hope to. To comfort means to ease the grief or trouble of. And grief and trouble comes in all shapes and sizes. Not just the huge ones. We're not talking about the catastrophes. We're not just talking about the, the, the tragedies and, and the, the crazy things that happen in our lives. It's even the daily inconveniences. It's, it's, it's the day-to-day -day stress. It's the, it's the struggle of, of just trying to be a good parent or a wife or a husband or a, a coworker. Um, we all experience <clears throat> trouble at some level. And especially in the church, that sometimes when we experience these things and when we see these things, sometimes we feel like there's nothing I can do but just wait and watch. And Paul here in our passage is talking about comfort. Paul understands trouble. Paul knows what it's like to, to struggle not just with ordinary life, but even crazy things. Paul even uses the word suffering. In fact, if you ever read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he describes his pain and persecution. Chapter 4, he does it again, 8 to 12. He talks about his suffering again. Chapter 6, chapter 4 and 5. And chapter 7, verses 5 and 6. Chapter 11, verse 23 and following. And again in chapter 12. The whole letter to this church in Corinth, he shares all the stuff that he had to go through. And so all throughout this letter, Paul is letting us feel the, the ache that he felt in his heart, the various trials and troubles that afflicted him. He doesn't hold anything back. And people were listening to Paul in this letter, and they were thinking to themselves, they were saying, look at how much Paul's going through. Look at how much stuff he had to endure, how difficult life is for him. Uh, well, figure it out, folks, because he's going through this because God's punishing him. Because he's, obviously he's done something wrong in his life, now God's punishing him. That's what people are actually saying. You ever feel like that? That when you're going through a difficult moment in your life, a, a loss, a hardship, a, and even an inconvenience, sometimes we think, what did I do to deserve this? I must have done something. Is it my fault? We don't like trouble in our life, right? Nobody does. We don't, especially whatever you want to call suffering, we don't like it. In fact, America, out of all the countries in the world, I'm afraid to say, it might be one of the countries that if suffering ever really, really happened, we wouldn't know how to handle it. Because we're weak. We're driven towards not comfort, but comfortableness. You know, I was in Africa um, 
some years ago, walking with the tribes people, the Maasai tribe, in, in, their, in the bush. It was pretty much a desert. And it's hot, it's a desert, and we're walking. And you know, they're walking with their kids, and they've got four or five-year-olds just, just following their parents, bare feet in the ground. You know, we've got you know, thick sandals and sneakers, and uh, the, the missionary told us we need to wear those because uh, in that area, there are needles literally two, three inches long, really sharp needles all over the ground. So I'm walking, and as you walk, these needles pierce the bottom of your sole, like a, even a two-inch rubber sole. They'll go right through it, and you feel it through your feet. So you've got to stop and take it out. But the weird thing was, you know, as I, and as I see this, is like they've got four or five-year-old kids, little kids, walking barefoot into this ground. And they're on the ground when they hit a needle. They're crying. They're wailing because they've got two, three-inch needles going through their feet. And I saw that happen, and I'm like shocked. I'm like, we need to help them. And the, 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 the parents just kept walking. They just kept walking. And I say, we, their kid is hurt. We need to do something. And their response is, this is the only way. This is the only way their feet will toughen up because this is the rest of their life. And so it's a suffering with an end. We would never survive in that kind of situation. I know I wouldn't. So it happens in all shapes and sizes. And we all need comfort. Maybe we don't suffer like the Apostle Paul did. Maybe we don't go through things like Paul does in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. But we all experience distress, difficulties, pains, loss. And yes, some of us, some of us really do suffer. But we all need comfort. And because the Apostle Paul understands firsthand trials and troubles, pain and sorrow and suffering, he knows what it means to need comfort, and he also knows what it means to give it. I've got three Ps for you today to remember this. There are three Ps, three points. There's a promise he gives us in our passage. There's a purpose he gives in our passage. And there's a partnership. There's a promise, there's a purpose, and there's a partnership. Let me show you what the promise is. Here in verse 3, this is the, uh, what Paul says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. Thanksgiving, he gives thanks as he opens up this chapter, and it's usually he gives thanks for people, but here Paul directs his thanksgiving towards God. He blesses God. He praises God for what? He praises God in verse 3 because he is the God of all comfort. Verse 4, who comforts us in all our afflictions. Paul is expressing his thankfulness to God, his gratitude to God for being a source of comfort in the midst of all his issues. And you notice the repetition of, of, of the word comfort from verses 3 to 7. The God of comfort, he who comforts, able to comfort, with comfort, verse 4, verse 3, verse 5, we are abundantly in comfort too, verse 5, verse 6, comfort and salvation, we are comforted, comfort over and over again in these few verses. That's the whole point of this passage. And in verse 3, he wants us to see an identity. He blesses who? God. Who's God? He's the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ. He's the Father of all mercies. And what else is he? He's the God of all comfort. 
Comfort is not just what God does. It's who he is. And who he is is the God of all comfort. And so Paul is saying this. In the middle of our struggles and difficulties, pains, inconveniences, whatever you want to call it, by faith, he wants us to know this God of comfort. The God who is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The God who is always with us and near us, even as our hands and feet are close to us. The God who never leaves us and forsakes us. The Lord who takes residence in us, who has unlimited resources. This God who promises to be the supply for all of our needs according to Christ Jesus. The God who says, I am the God of comfort and I will comfort you in all your affliction. Verse 4. That's the promise. Because comfort is his nature because it's who he is, and he never fails, he promises to comfort us in all affliction. So you can go to him in the midst of your struggle. You can trust who that God is. Now, Paul is not saying this because he knows his theology, right? He's able to say this because he knows from experience. And that's why he's sharing all of his struggles. He's sharing all the stuff that he had to go through. He's not doing it because he's looking for sympathy, but to tell us, to give us encouragement that in all of his afflictions, God has comforted him. That the God of all comfort, verse 3, comforted him in all his afflictions, verse 4. And that's the promise for us today. Okay? The second P, or the second point here is there's purpose. All right? Now, this is where we need to listen carefully. Paul speaks of comfort as encouragement and strengthening grace in the midst of troubles. Uh, it's the disposition to sort of rest in God, but there's purpose to God's comfort. Okay, you hear me? You, you need to hear this. The purpose of God's comfort isn't just to make you more comfortable, it can, it surely can. And we love being comfortable. But Paul gives us a deeper purpose. Look at verse 4 again. He says this, uh, end of verse 3, the God of all comfort. Then verse 4, who comforts us in all our afflictions. And then what does it say? So that, so that, in order that, we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Did you hear that? Comfort, being comforted, is not just in an end in itself. It's a means to an end. Comfort is not intended to end with those who are being comforted. Paul is saying it's to be passed on. Passed on. The purpose of God's comfort is not just to make us more comfortable, but it is to turn us into comforters. And he says that in our troubles, we are comforted. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You hear that? 
See, that's how, that's how comfort works for him. When you're brought to a point where really there's nothing you can do on your own strength, your own ability, your own comfort, you need to rely on someone else's strength. You need to depend on someone else's ability. You need to look to someone else for comfort. And if you've received comfort from God, like verse 4 says, now it's a matter of stewardship. Stewardship. Because the comfort you receive from God, that's not your comfort. That's God's comfort. And once you've received it, it's meant to be passed on. Shared. Shared. One author put it this way, quote, One human being cannot bring about divine deliverance from affliction for another. But it is possible to share with another the encouragement received in the midst of one's own troubles. End quote. Do you understand now why Paul is able to give thanks for his troubles? He gives thanks for them. Why? He's not saying, oh, thank you, God, I'm hurting. Thank you, God, I'm, I'm going through this. It's really hard. Thank you. No, that's not what he's saying. He's not thank you, God, for difficulty or tragedy or evil. Those are bad things. But he's thankful in suffering and trouble because he received comfort from God. Now listen to this. And he's thankful because through that experience, with the comfort that he was given, he's now able to give to you. He's now equipped. You've been equipped to comfort, to strengthen, to provide hope, to be a blessing to others in a way that would not be possible if he did not go through what he did. So he says, I thank God. And he's writing to this church because he knows what they're going through and he's trying to give them comfort. Right? That's what he says in verse 8. He says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, the affliction we experienced in Asia. We were so utterly burdened, we despaired for life. In verse 9, we felt like we were going to die. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God. Paul is saying to this church in Corinth that what he experienced in Asia has now made him able to comfort this church in another place. Let me say it this way. Some of you feel like you've, all you receive is trouble. Like every day is stress. Every day is pain. Every day is suffering. Those of us who have received the most trouble ought to experience the most comfort, okay? But those of us who receive the most comfort ought to be able to comfort others the most. You see that? To pass it on. And this is so important because let me be very honest. What many of us do is that when we talk to someone who's going through something, maybe what the first thing we do is say, hey, talk to the pastor. Talk to Pastor Francis. Talk to Pastor James. And there's all reasons we do that. One is you just don't feel equipped to handle it. The other is you don't want to handle it because, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a burdensome. But, you know, immediately default to the, the, the professional. 
But I'm going to be very honest. Some of you are better equipped than me to provide comfort for certain people. You know why? We all have different troubles, different things we go through. But let me, let me, let me give you an example. We know we're supposed to care for the poor. If you don't care for the poor, there's something wrong with you. That's what the Bible keeps telling me. We're supposed to care for the poor. But you ever be poor? Have you ever been poor? God forbid, right? But let's say something happens in your life where you become poor. And then by God's grace, you regain what was lost. And now you're not poor. You will never neglect the poor again. Because you know what it's like to be poor. You're better equipped to minister and comfort the poor. Why? Because you were poor. You lost a loved one. A member of your family is sick. You come to me, Pastor Francis, what do I do? And I do my best to provide comfort, maybe if not a solution. But let me, did you know, I have not lost anyone in my immediate family. I have not lost any, I have not experienced that personally yet. I'm dreading the day. But you talk to someone who has? You talk to someone who has? Oh my gosh. So much better equipped. So much better. Right? Moms, you need encouragement. You're hard raising your children. It's tough to, to, to raise your kids. You could come to me. I could provide you comfort. Maybe in my callousness, I'll say, you know, you just suck it up, okay, because the human race survived, even though you're a bad parent. It's okay. But my goodness, you've got fellow moms who are going through the same thing, who experience firsthand what that's like. You're equipped to comfort other moms. You see what I'm saying? not just leadership that you go to for comfort. What it ought to be is partnership amongst each other to comfort one another. Okay? So the promise is there's a God of all comfort. That's the first point. The purpose. You've been given comfort so that you might comfort others. And the last point is this partnership. Where do you think Paul got this mindset? It's a bit unusual, isn't it? Here's a man who's saying, I've experienced some hard things, and God has comforted me in everything I've experienced so that I could pass it on to you. I mean, who thinks like that? I'm going through what I'm going through, and one of the purposes, so that I could be a source of... No, when we're going through hardship, we're like, why is this happening to me? I, I, don't, want to, I don't want it to, I want it to end. Where did Paul get this kind of mindset? It's a bit unusual, isn't it? 
Look at verse 6. This is what he says. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort. Here you have an example of a kind of love and humility. A person, Paul, who is willing to say, I will endure whatever I need to if it will make me a blessing to someone else. That's what he's thinking. Where do you think Paul got that idea to think like this? To be able to see his troubles in a radically different light. And in verse 5, he says this, that we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. Paul can think like this because there is someone he wants to be like. There is someone that he has a relationship with, a relationship, a partnership, you could say, so close that whatever Paul had to go through is sharing in what Christ had to go through. And whatever comfort that he's received is shared because of what Christ has given Paul wants to be like this person, someone who in humility and love, someone, namely Jesus Christ, who actually did say, I will suffer whatever I need to suffer if if it can make me a blessing to somebody else on the cross. Someone who suffered unimaginably, crucified on a cross, then give his life up for the sake of others. Someone who said, not my will, but your will be done. Paul has a relationship, a a union, a partnership with someone who loved him even when he was unlovable, who endured pain, trial, and suffering, and yet he received no comfort on the cross so that he could be a comfort for us with a purpose for Paul and now for you. And though he received no comfort, what he did on the cross, we are now comforted in the midst of our own struggles and we are now made into comforters. Acts chapter 2, you remember Acts chapter 2? That's where Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and we're told this story about how the Holy Spirit was poured to the church. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter to be with you forever. Where did Paul get this mindset? He's just living out his life with what Jesus did with his life. And now because of this relationship, now this partnership, he shares in his suffering, now he shares in that comfort. And Paul wants you to know today, as we share the same Jesus Christ, as you and I have the same relationship, the same partnership, we share in the same spirit of comfort, Ephesians 4. And so we share in that partnership as well, not just with Jesus, but with Jesus. Did you notice in 2 Corinthians, most of the first-person pronouns are plural. We, us, our. Which means this, that it's not just you. It's not just about you. And it means you're not alone. So verse 7, Paul says, Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share our comfort. 
This is the community of Christ. This is the body of Christ. This is the communion of saints. This is a real partnership, a real fellowship. We fellowship not just because we hang out together, but we fellowship because we share similar struggles and we are to share similar comfort. That's the partnership we're in. See this? Paul's writing this letter to encourage them. He's not saying, hey, church, I'm coming back soon, and when I get there, don't worry. I'm going to take care of your problems. That's not what he's saying to this church. He's saying, I want to encourage you to encourage others because we both got issues, and we both need comfort, but we both share the same Savior. Here's what I want to say. You can always come to me if you need help. But I'm going to say, there are probably people in this group that are better equipped to help you to provide a kind of comfort that I, I can't. You've learned some lessons. Someone needs to hear it. And someone needs to share it. You're struggling, but so are others. Be open to sharing with others. That's the partnership with one another. And if you're not doing this, if you're only doing this with me, something is going to be missing from your life. If you're never open to receiving comfort from others, or if you've never been a source of comfort for others, I'm going to tell you, something is really missing in your Christian life and probably as a human being. For whatever reason, whether it's pride, whether it's, I don't know, but you're missing out. Not only to receive blessing from others, but also to genuinely be one to someone else. So the promise is that we have a God of comfort in every affliction. The purpose so that you, through, through you, someone else might be comforted with the comfort you've received and the partnership because we're not alone, we're not isolated. We share the same Savior, and so we share our comfort as much as our struggles. Let me just leave you with one application. How do we do that? Um, you know, one way and probably the most important and probably the most neglected way to receive and to give comfort to others, you know what that way is? The one thing that all of us can do when we feel like we really can't do anything else, what is that? Prayer. Prayer. Look at what verse 11 says. Paul says, you also must help us. How? By prayer. So that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Prayer is a blessing to those who receive and to those who pray. I don't know what you think about prayer and the power of prayer. I know we don't pray enough, probably. Uh, maybe you don't believe in prayer. Maybe you don't think it's really effective for you. But come on, be honest. When somebody comes to you and says, I don't know how to help you, but I want you to know I'm praying for you. Isn't that encouraging? I don't know what to do. I don't have the answers, but I'm praying for you. Isn't that a blessing to know? I mean, if you're not a Christian, I, I don't know what you're going through, but hey, I just want you to know I'm lifting up prayers for you. 
right? It's comfort that someone's thinking about you, doing what they can, and they don't know what else to do. And it's a blessing not only to those who are prayed for, it's a blessing to those who pray. Why? Because he says in verse 11, because many prayers bring many thanks. And what Paul is saying is that when everyone is united in prayer on behalf of someone who needs comfort, when God acts, guess what's going to happen? Everyone who's been praying is going to be united in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, that's what Paul says. And that is going to be to the praise of God. That's a practical partnership. Partnership of the gospel is a participation of prayer as we pray for one another in all our troubles. Just one simple way to be a source of comfort. One author puts it this way, quote, In prayer, human impotence casts itself at the feet of divine omnipotence. Thus, the duty of prayer is not to change God's power or plan, but to glorify it. When we pray, we're not trying to change his plan or mind. We're trying to get in line with it so that we can give thanks. Sometimes when we pray and we provide comfort and when we need comfort, sometimes the best prayer is the song or the hymn, Be Still My Soul. You ever hear that? You ever really read the lyrics? Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul. Thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. Be still, my soul. Your God undertakes to guide the future as he has the past. Your hope, your confidence, let nothing shake. Comfort. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for your patience. And we pray, Lord, uh, that you are certainly patient with us as we learn uh, to grow into what you have said we are. And many of us are far away from that. And some of us may be closer to that, but wherever we are, we pray that in all our afflictions, in all our struggles, we are reminded who you are. You are the God of comfort. And we pray that we are able to trust in your promise for us as we endure whatever lies ahead. We also pray that those of us who have been comforted already would be made comforters so that we might be able to give as much as we receive. And we trust, Lord, uh, because of the community that you bring to us, the people you put in our lives, the person of Jesus Christ who is united to us, we have every resource in sharing not only our sufferings, but sharing our comfort. And so, Lord, uh, help us to minister, not just uh, one-to-one, but to everyone around us as much as we can, as much as we need. And we pray that you uh, would continue to grow us into more and more the person 
in the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.